All right, Luke chapter 10, and we are, as we have been saying every week, talking about our year of pursuing peace, 2022. Pursuing peace, and and pursuing peace ultimately that comes from the Lord, and learning how to be peacemakers, and how to walk in peace with one another, and all of the things that go with that. And, uh, you know, we have learned and are seeing that peace is not something that's automatic. It's something that needs to be pursued. It is not something that uh, you can just kind of, oh, I got a nice fill on Sunday morning, and that's just going to carry me through the week. Uh, sometimes we've lost the peace by the time we get in the car to go home, right? It's something we need to continually be pursuing. And as we pursue peace, it doesn't mean uh, we become like those who uh, stick their heads in the sand. It's not a peace that comes from going, la, 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 la. I'm just pretending that things are fine, and I'm not dealing with things as they arise. Pursuing peace doesn't mean that there's never conflict or disagreement. It doesn't mean that we don't uh, take a stand at times for different things, but it means that as we do, we do it in the way of peace that Jesus calls us to. Uh, We continue to pursue peace and act peaceably even when we do engage in conflict with others or or disagree about things. So the questions we've been asking as we pursue peace in 2022, what is our attitude going to be? Always good just regularly to check our attitude, to check our hearts. How are we doing? Uh, Are we walking in godly qualities and godly attitudes as we engage in the things we engage? with? How are we treating other people as we're called to love God, love neighbor, love the stranger, love our enemy? How are we treating other people as we pursue peace? How are we drawing near to the Lord, the source ultimately of all of our peace? What are we contributing to the world with our words, with our actions, with our posts? What are we sowing out there as light and salt? And who are we imitating? We are imitating Jesus first and foremost, but we all tend to take on qualities of people we hang out with, people we spend time with, people we respect. And so who are the people? Are we choosing godly voices, godly examples that we would follow the Christ in them? So we're talking about uh, all of these things, and in our first series of the year, we've called Connection Point focusing at this point about how are we connecting with the Lord first and foremost. Where are we drawing near to him that we would find our peace ultimately in him? The Apostle Paul was really clear. His life was pretty awful in terms of circumstances. Right? Paul would be very clear that his life was a life of being on the run, being attacked and abused, being persecuted, being poor, being hungry, being cold, being shipwrecked. He's got parts in his story of, I've been, you know, stoned 37 times, not meaning the modern use, but meaning people literally throwing stones at his head, trying to kill him, beaten with rods and left for dead. Assassins have been after him. The Jews were trying to kill him. The Gentiles were trying to kill him. He always was, you know, on the run and then trying to out run his enemies, and he lived his whole Christian life that way. He was not warm and cozy in a church on a Sunday morning. He was running for his life. Uh, And yet, this is the same guy who also says, you know what? There is a peace that surpasses understanding. That I have learned to be content no matter what my circumstances. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we are looking to him. If we are looking to our circumstances to bring us peace, or we're waiting for them to become peaceful before we're willing to just kind of rest in that peace, there will always be reasons that our circumstances can rob us of peace. Life is just like that. We are seeing in the times in which we live that life is messy, and and it's full of contradictions, and it's full of tensions, and there's just any number of things that can pull us away. And that's really what I want to focus on today, those things that pull us away. And so um, I have had days where walking in the peace of the Lord is really, really easy. 
uh, I would say most days it's really, really challenging. There's just too many things that can get in the way. And so a number of months ago, I woke up um, and, and started off my day feeling great. I just, it was one of those days, I don't usually, I usually get out kind of like a bear in the morning and it takes me a while to wake up. But this morning I woke up, I had slept well, I felt good. Uh, I go for a walk every morning before I go to work super early. So I'm out the door by five o'clock and I'm, I'm out on the road and I've got my headphones on and I'm worshiping. And I like that time of day because it's just quiet. There's not even cars around really. It's just nice so I can sing out loud at the top of my lungs walking down Beveline Road. And no one thinks it's weird because no one's around. And so I, just that day was a really good worship time. Sometimes pressing into the Lord uh, doesn't always feel super refreshing, right? Some days it's a little harder, and, and sometimes you, you have your Bible time, and you don't feel like you've had this great encounter with God. But this was one of those days that just God felt very close. And so I got home and uh, was showering, getting ready for work. I glanced at my phone. First mistake right there. So there's problems right away. Uh, and nothing earth-shattering, but it's just like, oh, here's, oh, I gotta, oh, I gotta fix, oh, I gotta deal with that. Oh, okay. All right, so there's stuff. All right, we gotta, we gotta jump into some, some stuff right away. And so I get to the office, I start to deal with some of the stuff, and I go, you know what? Wait, I was feeling really good like an hour ago. And so I put down my work for a minute. Uh, I went uh, to a part of the church where I go to have some quiet time, and I, I just read my Bible for a few minutes. And again, it was just like, okay, there it is. There is the Lord. I found him again. All right. Now I can go back and I can deal with those problems from a place of peace. And so I went in and it was easier. I began to deal with that. And then there was a news headline that was shocking and jarring and, and something to do with COVID. I don't remember specifically, but it was going to affect our lives. And it was just like, ah, I thought we were kind of done this stuff. Oh, how long is this going to be, man? Every time I think we're getting on top of things and then something happens. And, and how long are we going to have to just seesaw back and forth in this? And, See you later. Peace. And then we have prayer time here in the mornings, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, here in the sanctuary, 9 till 10. You're all welcome to join that, by the way, and I know some of you work, but I know a lot of you don't. And so 9 till 10, we pray here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, we've been doing this for years. Sometime in the next few months, we will have passed 1,000 prayer meetings. And we gather together, and we pray for our church, and we pray for our country, and we pray for the Spirit to be poured out. We pray for anything that comes to mind. We pray for our missionaries and, and everything in between. Um, and so I was losing my peace, but then we had prayer time, and, and Susan was leading that day. And Susan just led us in a time of just worship and, and praying and spending time with the Lord in his presence. And then there's the peace coming back today. But then I had to go back to work after that. And you go back to work, and, and work involves stress. And so there's more things to deal with. And I was behind on something I thought I was ahead on. And so it was like, oh, man. So I, I got to scramble now to get this thing done. And then I sat down uh, on a break just to pay some bills. And I went, oh, I, mis I misjudged our budget this month. I thought we were further ahead. We're actually further behind because I forgot this big bill was coming forward. And we're going to be all right. But, man, I wasn't expecting that. That doesn't look as positive as it did a few minutes ago. And then Sarah and I had a little minor kerfuffle. It wasn't a big deal, but just a little, you know, daily kind of annoyance thing of something small. And so then that was kind of distracting me. And then I had to go pick up my kids. And I love my kids more than anything. I would die for them without thinking. And some days they drive me the most crazy. And this was one of those days. And so I picked them up from school and they were just, they came in like a tornado. Uh, I hadn't seen them since the morning and they were just at each other right away. And I'm bringing them home and I'm calming them down and they're complaining about this and complaining about that. And I found like, where did the peace go? I started off this day great. 
this day was going awesome, and there were points in the day where I drew near and, and got it back and then lost it again. And then we had a board meeting that night. And I'll tell you this, and you need to know this about your board of elders, is that this is a group that seeks the Lord. This is a group that prays. And, and especially even in this last season, like beyond just our time that we are together and praying together, uh, the board meets once a month just to pray, not doing any business, just on their own. They meet just to pray. They also meet once a month with other boards in town of other churches, and they will pray with them. Like, this is a board that prays and seeks the Lord. And so we had some good discussion that night. We had some prayer time that night. Um, I found peace again, even with all the frazzledness and stress and distractions of the day. The peace was there. So I ended like I started. But man, it was a roller coaster up and down. And honestly, most days feel like that to me. There are not many days where it's like I get filled up in the morning and then I'm just good the whole day long because there's just too many things to pull us away. There are just any number of distractions, any number of problems, any number of people sometimes. There are just so many things uh, that can just pull us out of that sense of communion with God, that can pull us out of that sense of peace. Even this morning coming here, I was feeling good. Uh, prayed up, ready to go. Um, longtime friend sent me a message uh, that I, I wish I hadn't read before I came in, and just just an attack, just a very very personal uh, attack that was very much framed like Chris, God is not happy with you uh, because of some of your thoughts on on COVID and different things. Because I don't agree with him, and uh, you are not seeking the Lord's voice. You are not in His will, like. Lots of things that can just rob us of our peace. Lots. Um, and if we're being honest, we also probably rob other people of their peace at times, right? We don't say the things we should say. We don't do the things we should do. There is so much that would pull us apart. And that's what I want to talk about today, is just being aware of these things and asking ourselves, what are the things in life that are pulling us away from peace? There are certain things we can't help, right? There will always be, you know, a financial concern. There will always be decisions that we don't like in the government. There will always be people saying things, some things we can't avoid. But there are things that we can pay attention to. So what are the things in life that are pulling us away from peace? We had our annual meeting on Tuesday night. Uh, Greg Weens, one of our elders, was sharing the Devo. And that was part of his challenge as he was looking at uh, just, you know, as we pursue peace. And one of his challenges was... Well, where is the Lord fitting in for you in, in all the things that you do with your day, right? In terms of how much time we spend reading stuff and how much time we spend in the news and how much time we spend on social media. Like, how are those things comparing to Scripture? How are those things comparing to prayer? And maybe if we who are Christians put down our phones and turned off our media and stopped watching videos and doing all those things and replace that with prayer and replace that with Scripture, then maybe that would be something that would actually lead lead us back to this place of peace again. Maybe Christians would stop fighting against one another. They would put down their stones. Maybe that would bring us to that place that the psalmist talked about, how good and pleasing it is when the brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. There the Lord commands a blessing. And maybe if, if Christians everywhere sought him in that way, the commanded blessing of the Lord would come. So let's take a look at our text as we ponder and process these things. Luke 10 and we'll start in verse 38. If you've been around church, you know this story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So you, often when that gets preached or talked about, it's a challenge. Are you a Mary or a Martha, right? You've heard probably a bunch of sermons on that in your time. Uh, Martha is working so hard for the Lord that she's missing intimacy with the Lord. Mary is choosing intimacy with the Lord, and, and that is the better way, Jesus says. So the message is often just don't work so hard for the Lord. Don't do so many things that you're missing out on that connection time. And that's a great part of it, for sure. That's a great message. That's not quite what we'll emphasize today. And as we talk today... I want to just share this with you as well. We sent this out in the weekend update. Uh, Lent is coming up. Lent starts next Wednesday. So this is a period of time uh, preceding Easter of of six, seven weeks. And uh, we have not always formally done something for Lent. And and I don't ever want it to be uh, just kind of a religious exercise. There are some streams of the church where every Lent you are expected to do something, to fast something, or or to give up sugar or whatever else. Uh, So we have not formally called for something every year. I don't ever want it to be something that we do where we're just kind of going through the motions. But that being said, as as staff and MMT have been praying and discerning, um, we do think it's just, it feels very timely to, to set aside some time for fasting and prayer uh, for our church, for our country, for, for everything we are carrying and, and everything people are carrying. It just feels like a good time to very intentionally be seeking the Lord. And so, uh, so what this entails is, is that for the, the 40 days of fasting that happen in Lent before Easter, um, you choose something on your own. We don't choose it for you, uh, but you choose something that you are going to lay aside for that time. And it needs to be something that is important to you, right? So I don't drink coffee. It's super easy to fast coffee during Lent. Um, So it can be some people will fast, say, a meal a day. Some people will fast something that is important to them, like coffee or or junk food or or wine or whatever the case may be. Some people fast TV or social media or the news or whatever the case may be. You can choose it on your own. You probably know with a bit of thought what is something in your life that, that that is important to you in that way, that draws your time and attention in that way. You lay it aside for a season. And you do that for a few reasons. Number one is to say, Lord, you are more important to me than this thing. Whatever this thing is, you are more important to me than that. And so I can sacrifice that temporarily as part of my devotion to you. The other part of it is that you are going to replace that thing in your life with the Lord. And so if you're fasting a meal, you're going to take that time for prayer and, and for digging into the word. If you're fasting TV or media or your phones, you're going to replace that with scripture time or Bible study time with friends or whatever. If you're fasting a specific type of food, you are doing that. You are laying that aside with the understanding that it's going to spur you on towards prayer. And, and the idea is not just that you're giving something up. You are giving it up to replace it with him. 
And as we do that, we are, we're just talking about the details this week, but we are going to have some uh, evenings here at the church for us to come together for prayer, for worship, for different things, just as we intentionally seek the Lord together. And so we are going to leave it to you to decide what that looks like, but we are challenging you to join us. We as a leadership are united in this, and so we will be doing it. We're inviting you to participate in it with us. And so give that a bit of time. Give that a bit of thought. What is something in my life that I can lay aside something that's important to me that I can lay aside for a season for the purpose of pressing into Jesus, for the purpose of seeking that peace that comes only from him. And so give that some thought. And as we talk about this idea of what are the things in our life that are pulling us away from the Lord, uh, when I was in school, I ended up studying a lot of St. Ignatius. And I wasn't planning on doing that, but that's just kind of what unfolded. Uh, and St. Ignatius was a, a Jesuit priest in the Middle Ages. And he wrote a lot on discernment and communion with God and prayer. And he just had a very rich and deep abiding relationship with Jesus. And he came up with a term uh, that gets used called inordinate attachments. And that sounds fancy. But what it's getting at is anything in our lives that takes the place of Jesus. Anything that we look to for things that we should be getting from him. Anything that distracts us, anything that takes too much of our time. Uh, the modern language, we would say probably idols, right? Like we're not literally bowing down to idols and statues, most of us. But there are a lot of things in our lives that could take a place of idol-like priority for us when it comes to our walk with Jesus. So inordinate attachments are the things that our soul gets connected to that aren't God. And they're not necessarily bad things in themselves, but there are things that where Jesus begins to lose his place as center of our lives, and these things begin to take over. We have an unhealthy attachment in our soul to these things. They take our time, they take our devotion, they take our affection, and again, not all of them bad at all. Uh, some of them very good things, but they just they move into an unhealthy place and they can actually interfere with our walk with Jesus. So here are some examples. Uh, I think the list could probably go on forever, but I think here are some pretty common things. Some things that we get connected to uh, potentially in an unhealthy way. So sin, of course, any sin. Uh, money, the pursuit of money, sex and lust. Uh, politics, again, these are things we live under. We can't avoid them, uh, but they can certainly take front and center. They can certainly take an unhealthy healthy place in our lives. Power, position, looking for that for ourselves, seeking the praise of others. Our possessions can become a problem. Our work can become a problem. Again, you can't avoid work, but work can become a very unhealthy thing. And where we are meant to get our sense of peace and our sense of identity primarily from Jesus, work very easily becomes the thing that does that for us. I get my identity because of what I do and what I can accomplish, how high I can climb the ladder. Things like food, alcohol, substances, you know, cigarettes, you know, marijuana, whatever, coffee or caffeine. Uh, again, not all of those things bad in themselves, but they can become crutches. They can become things we depend on. When we get to the place of like, oh, I can't get through the day without a glass of wine at the end of the day, or I can't get through the afternoon without having a coffee, then we're becoming dependent on these things. These things are starting to become something that we cannot live without, and we really only want to feel that way about Jesus. Our relationships can become unhealthy. Of course, we need them, and they are God-blessed, and they are important, but our relationships can become unhealthy. We start looking to people for our sense of affirmation. We start looking to people to fulfill all of our emotional 
needs. Um, and, and that's where it starts to become an unhealthy relationship. Even intellect, the pursuit of knowledge can become problematic. Letting our emotions take over and run the show can be problematic. Sometimes it's just our busyness. You ask people, how was your week? I ask most of you that every Sunday. How was your week? Most common answer, busy. Busy. It's like, maybe not a problem, but, but too busy? Like, too busy for Jesus? Too busy for family? Too busy for the things, the obedience that we are called to? Uh, can be a problem, and busyness is something that our culture loves and values. Uh, and yet, you see in Scripture, here's Jesus often withdrawing to lonely places to pray. Right? He's not going to be so busy that he misses what the Father wants him to do. Ambitions, even spiritual gifts. And I, I come from a tradition, the Pentecostal church, that greatly prizes and, and, and emphasizes spiritual gifts. And I think that's wonderful. Um, I have noticed in my life, sometimes the spiritual gift can become more important than the giver. Uh, we're, we're, we're pursuing a specific type of gift or an experience of this gift is the most important thing that can happen. So we love and revere the spiritual gifts, but in their proper place. Our hobbies can be wonderful. They can also consume us. Things like TV and movies, social media, the internet, our phone can be helpful tools, can also consume us. Even things like exercise and sports, wonderful things, important things, healthy things, they can dominate our lives in an unhealthy way. And so I imagine we can all find ourselves on there probably somewhere, right? And there are things beyond just that list, of course. But we're talking about anything that becomes idol-like in our lives, anything that draws our attention or affection away from Jesus, anything that brings our time or devotion to an unhealthy place, anything that we are looking to to meet our needs for us and, and things that we should be going to the Lord for. So the questions we're asking ourselves are, am I looking to these things instead of the Lord? Lord for any reason? Are they serving as a substitute for him? Am I getting my sense of peace in the morning from my coffee? Is that literally where it's coming from? And I won't have peace if I don't have it? That's a problem, right? That's looking to a substance for something that should ultimately be coming from the Lord. So am I looking to these things instead of the Lord for any reason? Am I using these things in excess of my legitimate needs? So obviously we need food, we can go over the top. Obviously we need money, the pursuit of it can cause us to go over the top. So there are legitimate needs that we have, we need relationships, but are we looking to them to give us our sense of well-being instead of the Lord? Do I use these things for the purpose for which they were intended, right? We need to work to provide food, but am I working to provide my sense of self and identity? Do I make these things ends in themselves rather than as a means to an end? So I need to exercise. Exercise is important. But am I using that as a way to health? Or am I getting, again, something fulfilling me far beyond just that? And so these are questions for us to wrestle with. And I don't think any of us are free of these things. This is all pretty common stuff. Um, but we want to be very, very aware of where can these things be, become idol-like where can they substitute our lives for Jesus? Where are we looking to them for things that we should only be looking to him for? Where are these things ultimately actually robbing us of peace, even if they give us a bit of a sense of a well-being in the moment? 
So back to our text, verse 38 and 39. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So Martha and Mary uh, would become close to Jesus. They have a brother named Lazarus. Lazarus is the one who in John's gospel is going to die and who Jesus is going to raise from the dead. And so there is a a close bond that begins to develop. We are apparently seeing uh, perhaps the beginning of that relationship starting to form here. And so these are people who are important to Jesus, and I don't know why it touches my heart, but I just like the fact that Jesus had friends, that Jesus just cared about people and and had dinner with people and hung out with people. He wasn't just in work mode all the time, like he invested in people and spent time with them. So Martha opens her home, Mary is there, uh, and what is about to become very problematic for Martha is that Mary takes uh, time away from the work to sit with Jesus. Now, it can be difficult for us, a couple thousand years removed from the culture, to realize how scandalous this is, that a woman is sitting at the feet of a rabbi. This is not something that happens in the first century. The rabbis were men. They would teach the men. Even in the synagogues, the women were not participants of worship. The women were expected uh, to take care of the kids. The men would go and learn all the stuff, and then the men were supposed to come home and teach the family. That was how the dynamic worked. And so when Jesus comes and does something like this, this is shocking. When the early church begins to gather and women are participating in the worship, they are prophesying as part of the worship service. They're there in the room with the men. Shocking! But scripture says in Jesus, there is no male or female. In Jesus, everyone's invited to the table. In Jesus, there is no Jew or Gentile. All peoples are invited to the table. There is no slave or free. There is no rich people and and the slaves are outside. Everybody is invited to the table. And so Mary is taking on the posture of a disciple. The, The men would come and sit at the rabbi's feet. This is not a phrase just meaning that's where she was in the room. This is a phrase describing the posture of a disciple. She is sitting at the feet of the teacher, receiving and learning and and gathering everything that he has to say. And so Martha is annoyed that she's being left to do all the work. Uh, Perhaps annoyed, maybe, that she thinks Mary is being presumptuous, that that's not where a woman is supposed to be. The woman is supposed to be in the kitchen. The men are supposed to be at the feet of the teacher. Uh, Martha is not happy about what is going on, and Jesus is, is turning cultural expectations upside down here. So verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And so I sympathize with Martha. Martha gets a bad rap in this story, and she does choose the wrong thing. But part of me also goes like, yeah, but someone had to make dinner, right? Like dinner was coming. And so she's not wrong in in wanting to put on a nice meal for Jesus, right? She's the host. She has opened her home. This is what is supposed to happen. Uh, And yet there is a moment here that she is missing, right? So like, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm doing everything? She's sitting on her butt. I'm doing all the work. Like, you have siblings. That would be annoying, right? And, and so, you know, why? Why are you letting this happen? And I think key phrase is those first few words, but Martha was distracted. And this is where I love Bible study, where we dig into Greek and Hebrew, and, and what, the, what does that word really mean? And that word for distracted uh, comes from the Greek word periaspato, which means to draw away. 
It means to pull away from something, to, to, to put something on a different path, to go in a different direction, uh, to pull away from a person. Perius pato. It's fun to say. It rolls off the tongue. Perius pato. Martha was, it says distracted in this version, Martha was perius patoed. She was drawn away. Jesus was there. She was drawn away from him. Maybe legitimately, right? Again, someone has to make dinner, but there was an opportunity for communion with the Lord, the Lord there, and she was perias pato. She was drawn away from him. And, and you see her then frazzled and, and kind of self-righteous and annoyed and angry. Uh, she's perias pato. The Lord is there. She is drawn away from the Lord. And so as we, again, consider that list, and, and wherever you are on this list, or wherever you are with things that I don't have on this list. Like, again, we probably, if we're being honest, know the things that, that can get in the way. So the question is, where do some of these things perias pato us? Where do these things draw us away from him? Where do these things draw us away from peace that comes from him? Where do these things pull us away from where we are supposed to be? What is drawing us away from him? What is taking our time and our, our money and our energy? What's taking our headspace, our, our mental energy, because it just dominates our thoughts? What's taking our words and the things that we are talking about all the time? Where are these things perias patoing us? Where are we drawn away from the Lord in all of it? Jesus responds gently, as often is the case, gently, firmly, but gently with grace. Verse 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I think there's a subtext there probably that says, you know, hey, Martha, you could come sit too, right? I don't think Jesus is cutting her off. Uh, Mary's made a better choice. It is better to be with Jesus in this moment. Now, again, someone's going to have to make dinner at some point, but dinner probably could wait, right? And, and there was a time to be with the Lord. There was a time to hear what the Lord has to say. Mary saw that, jumped on it. Jesus says that was the right thing to do. I'm not going to take that away from her. But, but just hear the heart of the Lord. Martha, Martha, the repetition, just my love, my love. Right, the tenderness of repeating her name. And, and hear the Lord say this to you today. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Do you hear the Lord say that to you today? You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one to be in the presence of the Lord. That's all that was needed. Martha's been perias pato. She's been drawn away. She has been pulled into things that were not the Lord. And he says, because you've done that, you are worried and upset about many things. You have lost your connection to the Prince of Peace. You have been distracted and the, the anxiety and the worry and the stress and the frazzledness that comes with that. There's none of us who, who can avoid that entirely. But we want to be aware of it. Where am I being perius patoed into that place of worry and upset about many things? And Jesus says, you know, only one thing is needed to fix that. Only one thing is required. Come and sit at the feet of the teacher. Come and sit in the presence of the Lord. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. 
and his grace. So there is an invitation there for Martha. There is an invitation there for us. And so when we, we've talked about Paul already today, uh, Philippians 4, 11 through 13, one of the places he talks about this type of thing, he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Uh, I've learned a secret. There's a secret to this, Paul says. And then he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The classic phrasing of it is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's not a verse about your hopes and dreams, which is often how it gets used, right? I can do anything, right? Anything my heart desires, I can accomplish. No, not at all. That's not what that's about. You can't do everything you want to do. That's silly. We teach our kids, you can be anything. And then you look at them and you go, no, you can't. There's things you definitely can't do. So that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is not like a shoot for the stars. You're amazing and I can do it all. That's not what it's about. It's in the middle of suffering when my circumstances suck, I can find contentment. That's what it means to do all things through Christ. It's not about I will accomplish all my hopes and dreams in life and I'll be blessed beyond measure. Like That will be a part of it, no doubt. But that verse in its context is not about personal ambition or accomplishing wonderful things. That verse is specifically about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the secret to being content no matter what. That's the secret to not letting my circumstances dictate the peace level of my life. That's what that's about. When I am grounded and strengthened in him, my circumstances don't matter. And like how often have we been at a funeral or been in a crisis? And it's not that it's not real, right? And and walking in God's peace doesn't mean we don't feel feelings. It doesn't mean we don't feel grief. It doesn't mean that we, we don't acknowledge the reality of what's going on. There are Christians who do that as well. And again, it's a peace that comes from la, 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 la. Terry Bone, one of my mentors who you guys know, says often he worries that we mistake the peace of God just for our own willful ignorance. Like we just, we choose not to engage with something. I have friends who say, I never go to the doctor and I I never get sick. I got a pain in my stomach, but it's going to be fine. I don't feel worried about it. And it's like, you probably should worry a little, right? <laughs> it's not wrong to go and, and take care of your health. Like, they, they have a peace, but uh, it might not be the peace of the Lord. It might be a peace of just, I am choosing not to think about that thing and pretend that it's not real. And I'm always coming back to Abraham in Romans chapter 4, talking about Abraham, who was promised a child, who was an old man. Uh, it says, Abraham faced the facts that his body was as good as dead. He was too old and yet trusted God anyway. And I go, I think that's important. Abraham faced the facts. He wasn't in denial. He wasn't sticking his head in the sand. He wasn't pretending things weren't real. He was realistic about the reality of the situation, uh, but trusted God anyway. That's faith, and that's, that's a whole other thing uh, than just refusing to think about it or talk about it and being in denial about something. So Paul has found this place of contentment. Paul has found the secret, um, and, and, you know, He's talking about sometimes I have lots, sometimes I have little. Uh, As you look at his life, sometimes he had freedom, sometimes he had none. Uh, Sometimes there was a wonderful reception of his ministry. Sometimes they drove him out of town by throwing rocks at his head and tried to kill him. Uh, Some people wonderfully accepted him and showed him hospitality. Some people tried to assassinate him or he had to bail down the basket in the wall. Like his life was all over the map. 
And, and times he's, he's put up in houses and he's taken care of, and at times he's on the run and living in poverty and, and cold and freezing and hungry uh, and, and under pursuit. And he says, yeah, but there's a secret to all this. And, you know, we don't get to see all of Paul's inner workings. I'm sure there were days that were hard. I'm sure there were days of frustration. I'm sure there were days that were challenging. But he said, it's all Jesus. If I can get my strength from Jesus, then everything else will be ultimately okay. And so Paul is able to say, I'm going to walk straight to Jerusalem. And the other believers all said, no, don't go to Jerusalem. They're, you're going to die there. Like They're going to grab you and put you in chains. They're going to turn you over to the Romans. You're ultimately going to be killed. And Paul says, okay, I am excited to leave this world and go be with Jesus. Right? I'm not, I'm not worried about that. The Lord is telling me to go down this road. And because he's leading me into it, I trust him. And there's a strength that comes as we walk in his, his will in that way. And so when we talk about these things that, that peri pato us, these things that pull us away from the Lord, that distract us, that bring us into that place where we are upset and worried about many things, we're not just talking about, well, you know, get rid of those things or, or do them less or engage with them less. That may be part of it. But we're talking about, no, replace those things with him. Right? Replace those things with him. Replace that time with him. Replace those things that take a place in your heart. Move them out of the way and make sure Jesus is there. And where our time and our thought life and our energy and our words are going, pay attention to those things. And if there are things that are getting out of line, say, okay, I need to reprioritize then. This thing is taking up way too much of my mental time. It's, it's just my thoughts are supposed to be dwelling on whatever's good and pure and noble and lovely according to Scripture, and instead they're dwelling on this thing an awful lot. And so I need to readjust some things. I need to shift some priorities around and, and understand that as we do that, there will be a strength that comes from him that actually will make us not need those things in the same way. And that is the point, that we say ultimately we are getting our needs met in him. So a few practical things here. Um, it requires us to take an honest look in the mirror without excuse or qualifier. To take an honest look in the mirror and go, okay, well, what are my things then? What are the things that are getting to that unhealthy place in my life? I'm not going to make excuses. Uh, I'm not even going to pass judgment on them. I'm just going to be realistic. I'm going to be honest, right? If we're Christians, we're supposed to enjoy honesty. Uh, it's not always easy to be honest with ourselves. But to say, I'm not going to say, well, I, you know, I, I need my coffee and I can't survive without it. But it's like, no, let's not do the but. Uh, you know, I, I need this in my life, but no, just let's be honest. What are the things that are rising too high? What are the things that are perius patoing us out of the peace of God? What are the things that are getting in the way? So it starts with honesty. Uh, as the AA people taught us, you can't start to overcome a problem unless you acknowledge the problem and are honest with yourself about the problem. So it takes an honest look in the mirror without any excuse or qualifier just to be realistic about where we're at. We can fast regularly. Some of these things we need, some of these things we can't live without. Fasting regularly is a good way to just break the cycle of dependence. And so people will say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, you know, say give up uh, junk food for January. Or I'm going to give up TV for a couple weeks. Or I'm going to start turning off my phone at 5 o'clock and I'm not going to touch it again until the morning. Or whatever the case may be. 
um, by just breaking that cycle, just proving to ourselves we don't need it, right? Part of the heart of fasting is we are saying, Lord, you are the only thing ultimately that I can't live without. I can live without anything else in this life. I will trust you to sustain me. And so we got to eat, obviously. We need a job. There are certain things we can't remove entirely. Um, but for the things that we do have some control over, we can just make sure we're taking breaks. We're, we're not getting overly dependent on them for our needs to be met. We're not elevating them to an ungodly place in our lives. For the things that we can't fast from, uh, you can't totally fast from food, you can't totally fast from work or from money, uh, in those cases, we just want to find the healthy boundaries then. So what are the boundaries that will allow me to, to use this thing as I need it in a healthy way? And, and so it's not taking over too much. It's not going too far. Um, so I have started, uh, and it's been honestly transformative. Uh, at the end of my work day, which is mid-afternoon, uh, I turn off my social media, I turn off my emails right from then. I won't touch them again until the morning. Um, man, it makes a difference when your phone isn't all night long and you're not feeling the pull of like, oh, I got anything new? I got to check, I got to check, I got to check. Um, things like that. That's what I'm talking about. Healthy boundaries. So, so we can enjoy these things if we need them. Um, we want to find the healthy boundaries there. And, and that includes relationships, finding healthy boundaries with relationships. Um, I don't think as brothers and sisters we generally can just say, I'm done with you, uh, unless there's something really toxic or extreme going on. I don't think we're allowed to say, well, I disagree with you, therefore we're done. Um, but we might need to find some healthy boundaries. And, and I have said to many people, even in these last couple of years, uh, you and I aren't going to talk about things online anymore. We can talk in person or on the phone. Uh, there's just way too many opportunities to misunderstand each other, for things to escalate. And so we're going to do this in person, and I'm happy to talk anytime. Um, I've had a number of those conversations. And just uh, how can we make this relationship as healthy as we can without misunderstanding each other and, and without letting things escalate? Because we're called to love one another, and we want to do that well. So what are the healthy boundaries around things like work, money, food, social media, TV, news, politics, all those kinds of things? Where is a healthy place so that these things are not drawing us away from the Lord? And then again, uh, one of my favorite verses, you hear me pray this all the time, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's the ultimate solution to all of it, right? Jesus said the right thing to do would, was just to be with me like Mary was, to spend that time with me. And so draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That there is a, a replacing of everything else with this first and foremost. Understanding you got to eat, understanding you got to work, understanding you need relationships, but also understanding that the fullness of what we need is met in him. He will meet all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so we draw near to him, looking for him to be that fulfillment. So as we get ready to head into Lent next week, Again, you've got some time. You've got about 10 days to think about what that looks like. That's next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. And so to think about, as I look at my life, as I look at where does my time go, as I look at where does my energy go, as I look at where does my money go, as I look at where does my mental space go, my thought life go, where do my emotions go, again, looking at that list and, and considering maybe things that are off that list, but where are there some things, perhaps, that have gotten into that unhealthy place where there are things that are actually pulling me away from him, pulling me away from peace, pulling me away into the place of being upset and worrying, things that are distracting, things that are getting in the way, things that are dominating my thoughts? What is something, perhaps, that I can put aside for a season 
for the purpose of breaking its hold on my life and also replacing it with him. And I know many, many, many Christians I'm talking to don't even have to think about it. They're saying social media right away. That's something I can lay aside. And, and in a time when there is a lot of emotion online and a lot of opinions about things, um, something like that might be an easy thing. Just to say, you know what, it's, it's robbing me of peace in my life, and so I need to lay it aside. Or at the very least, find a healthier boundary with it. Things like the internet and YouTube and news and all of these things. There's a lot right now out there that can pull us away from the Lord and get us just distracted and overwhelmed by stuff. And so where can I move away from those things and replace it with him and let him be truly central and, and go, man, if all the time I spend scrolling social media was spent reading my Bible, if all the spent time I spent watching YouTube videos was spent in prayer, if all the time that I spent reading news sites was spent in worship, um, what might that do for my walk with him? What might that do for my soul? What might that do for us as a church as we make him the priority over everything else in that way? Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here. The author of Hebrews put it this way, and it's one of my favorite verses as well, Hebrews 12.1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And Hebrews uses the picture of like running a race, right? The, the spiritual life, it's like a marathon. You're running a race, and you are running with purpose and discipline and intentionality. You are running towards the goal line. You are running towards the prize. As we are running, let's throw off everything that hinders, right? Let's throw off the sin that entangles us, but not just the sin, anything that's hindering us right now, anything that is slowing us down in our pursuit of him, anything that is perious, patoing us, drawing us away from him, anything that is uh, getting in the way, that is pulling us down, that is, that is pulling us aside, that is calling us away from the love of God, from the love of our neighbor, from the love of our enemy, let us throw it off according to the word of the Lord. Let's throw off the hindering things. Let us be intentional about dealing with our sin. Let us move forward. As we talk about pursuing peace, we've talked about ultimately the connection points that come from him. We've talked about different ways we can connect with him. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about the word. We've talked about making him a priority and carving out time very intentionally. And today I wanted to take some time to talk about, and then what are we doing that is pulling us out of that place? Let's intentionally give some attention to that. It's the understanding. Uh, as Jesus says to Martha, there's only one thing needed. When you are drawn away and when you are distracted and upset and worried and anxious about many things, Jesus says there is only one thing needed. Come and take your seat at the feet of the master. Come and be with him. Come and be in his presence. Come and learn from him. And, and the understanding that there there is in his presence the fullness of joy, the fullness of peace, the fullness of everything that we need. We don't ultimately need anything but him. He is the most important thing that we need. So we want to honor him for that. I'll ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. As we make this our prayer in light of everything we have talked about today and as we search our souls a little bit for what it means for us.